eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. But another team right now who uh, went on a wonderful winning streak and will be at the you know the forefront of Philadelphia sports talk at a certain point in time once this season comes to a close. I got a lot of questions about the Sixers right now. They played last night, but they had an eight-game winning streak prior Nice enough to join us on the line to talk all things 76ers. That's a great job covering them for the Daily Six newsletter, Derek Bodner. Good morning, Derek. Good morning, John. Well, Derek, um, uh, before I even talk about or ask about the game last night, I got to go back to Christmas. And Christmas Day, NBA slate. Sixers kick it off against the Knicks at the Garden. It's a massive day for the league. And an hour before... A story comes out about James Harden maybe not wanting to stay here. Derek, why? Yeah, the timing of that was impeccable, wasn't it? <laughs> we, all, we all had stuff to do. Yeah. Um, look, I think it's clear that, that – a couple things. You know, I think in the week leading up, I had had Euron Weitzman on my podcast, and he is a, a national columnist for Fox Sports. And one of the things he, – he wrote a big in-depth feature about James Harden. One of the things he mentioned was that James Harden was, you know – for lack of a better word, a little bit homesick. All of his family had moved to Houston over the past decade. Um, he really enjoyed playing there, yada, yada, yada. But really what I think this comes down to is, you know, I think James Harden knows he needs leverage next summer to get the most out of the Sixers in free agency. I think in order to do that, you need a team with cap space that would have interest in James Harden who would actually be viable, uh, a viable threat to sign him. And I think his former team, who he still has a lot of family in, uh, who will have max cap space for multiple different? Uh, you know, they can sign multiple max players. Uh, is maybe the perfect person to, or per- perfect organization to apply that leverage. Most teams that would have cap space wouldn't be viable as someone who would sign James Harden, both mm-hmm. because they wouldn't want Harden in sort of like that life cycle of their rebuild, and also because Harden wouldn't have interest in going there. To me, I didn't necessarily read that as he wants out of Philadelphia. I read that as he needs to apply a little bit of pressure um, to get the contract that I think he's going to want in the summer. Obviously, there is still six-plus months of stuff that could shake out between now and then, both in terms of the Sixers maybe underachieving or any kind of tension that could flare up between Harden and some of the key players. Yeah. Um, but I read that mostly as a leverage play. Um, do you, I mean, if it's 
assuming it's a leverage play, and he didn't deny uh, the story when asked about it afterwards. He just didn't like the time. He didn't like being asked about it on Christmas, even though clearly he gave the approval to put it out there. Um, do you get the sense at all that there is, I don't want to say trouble in the water, is there a good relationship between uh, Harden and, and, and Joel and, and Harden and Doc Rivers? Well, I thought the Harden-Doc Rivers one would be mostly irrelevant because, quite frankly, if they got to the point where James Harden was like, I want to come back, but I don't like Doc, I think Doc would be out of there pretty quickly. Uh, okay. I think in this league you choose stars over coaches. Coaches are replaceable. That's not even saying anything about Doc or his, his ability to coach. It's just the reality of the league that you play in. Uh, in terms of Embiid, I certainly don't think there's anything wrong between them, uh, but I think it's probably a little more workmanlike. Uh, okay. I'm not sure if there's a super tight bond. I think part of that is because you know, they just had not been – together all that long part of it is because Joel is a little bit of an introverted personality that keeps himself but I've certainly heard nothing that there is something wrong that would you know cause Harden to ask out it just maybe not tight enough where that bond would be something you could bank on coming into free agency so Sixers as we sit here on a Wednesday morning are 20 and 13 on the season they had their winning streak uh, come to a close last night in DC Uh, but what we saw to close out this game was a familiar sight Derek, do the Sixers have problems closing out games? Certainly do at times. Uh, they will have some games where they look pretty strong closing out. You don't have to go that far back. The Clippers game was a good example of that. They mm-hmm. will have some games where they execute well down the stretch, where they're playing together, where they're getting the most out of that sort of Harden and be two-man game. And then they will have games like last night where they just go ISO fest for the last six minutes, turn the ball over seemingly half times down the court, and don't really play any defense to close it out. They are inconsistent closing it out for sure. Uh, you know, I think uh, the really frustrating thing is there were instances in that game of the Harden and Bead pick and roll, of the Harden and Bead dribble handoff, where everything was working well and they were generating good looks every time down the floor. Yeah. And then they just sort of went to hero ball. It was a little bit confounding. You know, I think part of, one of the real takeaways from that eight-game winning streak was that they just sort of, you know, there weren't all that many instances of them playing a picture-perfect basketball, but they played consistent basketball with consistent mm. effort and didn't really make too many mistakes. You saw some mistakes there against the Knicks and a lot of mistakes there against the Wizards. That was a, a serious setback for sure. Well, and referencing, I suppose, those two and closing out games, because it's a fear every Sixers fan has had for multiple seasons now. Uh, and I suppose you know, the, the one, the mainstay the whole time has been Joel. Does he, is it like what we are seeing from him, and he's on a tremendous historic streak right now, which I'll, I'll bring up in just a moment. But when it comes to these close games where you have to close it out, Far too often he resorts to hero ball. Is this a, a, a flaw that will never be corrected, in your opinion, or just you know something that they'll be able to work out of him? Yeah, I certainly think it's harder for someone in Joel's position than it would be for a, a, sort of a, a, a high-level guard, a Steph Curry-type player, to execute like that. I think it's easier to double-team. I think that's one of the big reasons he's mm. tried to really make himself much more of a face-up threat over the years. You know, but I... Yeah, I, th- I think the hero ball thing is something that way too many stars and coaches tend to favor in part because it's supposed to limit your turnovers, right. which is not what we saw last night and not what we often see when B tries to put the, the ball on the floor a lot. Um, I think it's I think the Sixers need a real high-level scoring guard. I think James Harden, what's frustrating is James Harden throughout the course of that game last night was that, especially when Embiid was on the bench to start the fourth quarter. Uh, I do think Embiid would be better served if he had a, a star-level guard creator um, and that's what you hope Harden can, can be for them. Hmm. So the run Joel Embiid has been on for three-plus weeks now, historic. The points he's putting up, he has been magnificent to watch. 
but it certainly comes at, at somewhat of a price where you don't see the same effort uh, when it comes to rebounding or sometimes second chance points or getting, you know, I, I guess it all goes back to rebounding. Um, I, it, is this good or bad for the Sixers, what we're watching him be doing? I know it sounds ridiculous to say because of the numbers he is putting up, but what he is doing, will this win for them when it matters? Yeah, I mean, that, the, the rebounding on this team is disastrous. Um, and when you talk about last night's game, uh, yeah, the, front, the play down of the stretch was frustrating, but the defense in the second half was inexcusable. And that's really where I think they put themselves in a position where they could lose a game like that. Um, and a big part of that was defensive rebounding. And part of that is on Joel Embiid. You know, he's averaging under 10 rebounds per game, and the Sixers are not a good rebounding team even when he's on the floor. But a big part of that is, is his teammates too. You know, when he rotates to help, you've got to help the helper. And the Sixers don't do that at all. Um, Tobias Harris is flat-footed way too often. James Harden is flat-footed. Even P.J. Tucker here has not been, I think, the, the impact player on the defensive glass that you need him to be. They just don't have very many players who even really look to contribute when Joel Embiid does have to rotate and put out the fires on the perimeter. I think it's, mm. it's part Embiid, and he's certainly, I don't think, moving around as much. Uh, he's not rebounding outside of his area as much as he did in previous years. I think part of that comes down to the fact that you know, he is asked to do so much offensively. But I do think I put a, a good chunk of the blame on his teammates, too. You need more out of those guys. Um, you know, and big bodies like like Harden, like Tobias Harris, like George Niang, like P.J. Tucker, you need more out of them to crash the glass. They are rebounding like a team uh, that just does does not have anyone else that's really contributing on that. And I think the loss of Ben Simmons, I mean, nobody wants to bring – and look, Ben's got his flaws. He would certainly at least help out in that capacity, right. uh, and they have not had anyone else really do that during a mid-tenure. Final question I have for you, Derek. You mentioned Tobias Harris, and there's been a handful of rumors floating out there of interest in him. And some were, I guess we're approaching January, so we're about to hit that time where the rumors go flying. Um, I, what you have heard, well, I suppose, what have you heard? Do you think any of it's legit? And uh, would you be willing to trade Tobias for, you know, for what you are hearing? Yeah, I, well, I certainly think that talks are legit. I think whenever you have a player like Tobias who's taking up about a third of your salary cap, um, there's always going to be talk around that player, especially when they're not a superstar. I do think getting any kind of – because the Sixers are in a spot here, and I mean, we just talked about James Harden and whether he might look to leave. Part of that will come down to postseason success. When you look at Tobias Harris and you're looking at a trade, you need someone who's going to be a contributor, and someone who's going to be a contributor in that role. Um, I think Tobias has done a really commendable job being a lot more comfortable to shoot from the perimeter, to shoot on a high volume from the perimeter, to shoot through slumps. Things that in previous years that were causing him to second guess and hesitate, I think he's been doing what you filling the role that you want him to fill. Uh, so I think if you do trade him, you actually need to bring back a com- uh, contributor, not just someone who has maybe a more palatable salary. And I think that's going to be tough. Uh, I would be surprised if they find a trade that makes a lot of sense for Tobias Harris right now. I think if, if he is moved, it will be in the summer mm. um, when he becomes an expiring contract. But I think right now they need his contributions, uh, and I think any team looking to acquire him, it would be it would be tough for me to see someone that would have this kind of salary to send back that would make that trade legal and also give the Sixers what they want on the basketball court. If you are a big Sixers fan, a big NBA fan, subscribe to the Daily Six newsletter. is well worth just a few dollars, and it's brilliant writing by the one and only Derek Bodner. If you want uh, links to all things Derek, latest Sixers news, at Derek Bodner NBA. Derek, thanks, man. Yep, thank you, John.